Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. Be on the lookout as well for my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, which is being published in September of 2020. Our guest today continues to be Bill Flynn. Bill joined us last week, and this week continues his story about his experiences of bravery in the workplace. Bill is a leadership coach, speaker, author of the new book, Further, Faster, the vital and few steps that take the guesswork out of growth. Let's continue to listen to Bill. One of the other areas that I'm a big fan of, and I I certainly, as you know, in the book, talk a lot about is neuroscience, and and they're definitely connected. And there's this model is that the human brain is a prediction engine, and it's trying to predict ahead of time what's going to happen, and it uh, allows us to then act in a certain way. However, it, it, it also works towards, it moves towards reward and away from threat. And the brain, because it's 12,000 years old, right? The one that we have in our head is about 12,000 years old. Um, so it's working from that context, you know, and, and it's it's in this box. It's in this dark room in your head, in the skull, right? So it can't, it's getting the information from the eyes and the mouth and the ears and in the body and the, and the, um, uh, the, the, the lungs and the heart. It's getting all this great information. It's making predictions based upon that. So it's always trying to move towards reward as much as possible and away from threat. And unfortunately, we inadvertently too often create a threat environment without even knowing it as leaders. Um, so if you can understand that uh, as a leader, and uh, there's a great acronym called SCARF from David Rock, who runs the Neuroleadership Institute, which is there are five things that the brain generally is assessing on, on a regular basis. What I mean by that is like every second or two, it's assessing these five things. It's assessing status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. Uh, and knowing that as a leader, you can make sure that you act in a way that's deliberate to make sure that you don't ruin those things. Um, and a good example is if you as a leader go to someone and, and, and like after a meeting and say, hey, Ed, you know, I want to talk to you about the meeting. Can you come back to my office? And I want to make sure, you know, I want to have a you know, good heart to heart with you on, on what just happened in the meeting. Uh, in the 20 or 30 seconds it, it takes to get to the, his, his or her office, what's going through your head is, without you even knowing it, is, oh, my God, am I going to get fired? What did I do wrong? Uh, I have my kids are in college. I have a mortgage. You know, all of these c- catastrophic things are going through your head. So by the time you get to his or her office, you're, like, in full threat mode. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what they say to you. You're not listening. <laughs> um, and they probably, they might have even said, oh, you know what, Ed, actually, I just wanted to talk to you. That was a great thing about the, the meeting. I, I wanted to say, hey, we need to do more of that, et cetera. But because they didn't tell you that up front, your brain immediately started to predict the future, which was terrible. Um, so that's how, that's one of the things that we can do very practically is learn something like SCARF or, or other models, mental models, to help create that psychological safety um, and know that it's, it's inadvertent um, as well as deliberate. 
Yeah, I love that model. And our listeners can certainly Google SCARF, S-C-A-R-F, and get a lot of information about it. I'd love to talk about one of the letters, which is fairness, because I believe when we look at bravery in the workplace, one of the factors influencing my desire to say something that needs to be said or do something that needs to be done is the degree of fairness that it might infer or imply in others. And I might not show bravery because I might perceive that it may be unfair. And I don't mean to hijack David Rock's definition of fairness, but you know, what thoughts, Bill, might you have as it pertains to fairness and bravery? Yeah, so um, there's this famous psychological study called the ultimatum game. Are you familiar with that, Ed? Love to hear about it, Bill. Yeah, so um, it's been it's been done for decades, and it's it's a very simple game. It's two people who don't actually see each other uh, are are put into this situation where one of them gets an amount of money, let's say ten dollars, and that person can give the other person any amount they want. The person receiving the money can either accept the money, and then both parties will get their share, or they can reject the amount of money. Uh, and if the person rejects it, then neither party gets any money. Uh, and if you think of it as economists would, then any amount of money that you are given is more than you had. So you should take it, right? If they give you a buck, then great. So a dollar more than I had before, I can go buy a candy bar or something, right? But time and time again, this fairness gene, quote unquote, that we have kicks in. And often, most people will reject the money if it's not greater than $3, uh, which means that nobody gets it, which obviously that makes no sense uh, because, again, if you got three bucks that you didn't have before, you should, you, should, you should take it. But because we have this sort of fairness thing that we act in an, a, an irrational manner. Uh, so if someone feels something is unfair, you've put them in a threat mode and they're not going to be their best selves. They're not going to look at it and sit back and say, well, I think that's unfair. You know, so we should talk about that a little bit more. They're probably going to get up in your face or leave the room or be quiet or whatever. Um, so you have to definitely understand that fairness is so it's literally wired into our brain. I love that model of not your best self as it pertains to bravery because i think a lot of people experiencing something in the workplace upon reflection might say you know i don't think i was thinking or operating like i normally would right or it might have been counterintuitive and i think to some degree that that may influence their bravery totally yeah we are not ourselves. This is often you do it, I do it. We're just human beings. We're flawed, and and uh, our brain hijacks us on a regular basis. Unfortunately, most of the time it's outside of our conscious awareness, so we actually think we have more free will than we do. I actually think we have free will in the long term, but less so in the short run. Uh, supposedly about 99% of our brain's activity is outside of our conscious awareness. Uh, Daniel Kahneman calls it system one, right? It's that automatic process uh, that you kick into. But we rationalize our behavior after the fact. So we actually think we uh, were acting rationally, but we weren't. And we have a hard time admitting to that because we don't want to seem irrational. We want to seem like we're this sort of rational um, person and, and thoughtful. But those of us who realize that, you know what? 
it just happens and they're, they'll be vulnerable and say, you know what, I just, I didn't act the, the way I thought, can I have a do-over? You know, now that I've had time to relax and think about it, you know, I'd like to address this in a different way than I did before. Um, and, you know, there's more compassion and empathy in, in the approach, which usually will help the situation tremendously because we're also a very forgiving species. You know, if someone gives their vulnerability and says, you know, look, Ed, I just, I messed up. I wasn't fair to you. What I said was wrong. Um, I really don't believe that. But in the in the moment I did, you know, can, can I, you know, can I fix that? You're, you're very likely to say, yes, of course, you know, um, and if you can do that, which is, which takes bravery, uh, I think you can go a long way to having that psychological safety in, in, in the workforce. And it starts with the leader. Bill, can you think of any, uh, advice, you know, whether it's, you know, one, even one thing, but one or two or three things that people could do when they experience the unexpected that would allow them to be braver? Yeah, so this is old advice, and we've, we've heard it many, many times, especially as children, is count to 10. Uh, your initial reaction is not necessarily your long-term reaction, and just count to 10 uh, slowly. Uh, the other thing you can do um, is I'm a fan of the four, four, four breathing method, which is four seconds in four seconds, hold four seconds out. If you do that three or four times, it'll actually slow you down. It happens also to work when you're sort of nervous or anxious about, you know, being on a podcast or speaking to a large group of group people or whatever, it sort of scares you. Um, because your brain again, doesn't know the difference between a social threat and a physical threat and will act in ways that, that, uh, unbeknownst to you, will hijack the situation. So those would be things that I would recommend that you do. You know, and sometimes you can't sit in front of someone for ten seconds. You might say, you know what, that what you said really sparked a deep reaction in me, and I want to make sure that I'm handling this the best way. Can I come back? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go get a drink of water, or I'm gonna do that. Can I come back in a minute and then answer your question? That's another technique of counting to 10, just doing it in a different way. Yeah. Look, those are all great tips for our listeners. Uh, in some ways we call it the power of the pause, which is looking for ways to slow down the conversation. So we don't send an email later saying, Hey, I'm really sour. Sorry how I behaved earlier. You know, what you said really triggered something in me, but in the moment, so you don't have to do that, you know, count to 10, breathe in, hold, breathe out, say, hey, can we take a couple of minutes to talk about this in a few minutes? I'd like to think about how I'd like to respond. Those are all great things to do. And the irony of it all is that conceptually, they're very easy application. They're very hard, right? Because people forget because they get caught up in the moment. Exactly. Right, Bill? A number of our guests have shared with us a story or an experience they've had about bravery in the workplace. Do you have a story for us today? Yeah, I, I have one, and uh, it's actually about us, Ed. Do you mind if I tell the story of us? Well, I hope so, <laughs> but go for it. So um, for your listeners, Ed and I met um, when I was working for a company that um, Iron Mountain acquired uh, a number of years ago, well, probably 15 years ago now, right, Ed, almost? Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I didn't know Ed very well, but the the times I, I met him, 
uh, I got a really good vibe for lack of a better situation. And when we were taken over, uh, a, a, our leader, um, was decided to move out of the company. Um, I think it was a mutual decision. And then another leader of another organization that was similar to ours, but a little bit different took over. And I won't, I won't mention his name, but, um, uh, he made it a little difficult for me. Uh, I decided that I didn't want to stay on. I actually had an opportunity to do another startup with some friends that I had worked with several other times. Uh, and there was a contractual situation that happened and, I was I was scared. I I didn't know what to do. Uh, I I wasn't getting any satisfaction uh, from this person. I didn't think it was fair. <laughs> back to our previous conversation, and I didn't know where to turn. And I finally remembered you, Ed. And I I think I sent you an email and said, "Here's my situation. You know, I, I would like to resolve it. You know, in a, in a in a um in a, in a good manner for both parties. I think I'm right, but obviously if I'm not, I want to make sure I understand. And I think in like two days, you just called me back and said, you know what? We fixed it and here's how it was resolved. And you did it with such grace um, and and speed, uh, which is why I think we're now still connected because I, as you, as you know, I reached out to you a few years ago and I wanted, I wanted to rekindle that relationship because I like to surround myself with good people. Um, but that took me a lot of bravery. I, I remember being on the phone and, uh, and, and sending the email and, and looking at my hands that were shaking a little bit and because I don't like conflict. Um, but I, I needed to do the right thing for me and my family. Um, so that's, that took some bravery for me. Well, what a fantastic story, Bill. Thanks for sharing it. I'm glad it was a positive outcome <laughs> for all that are involved. I haven't thought about it for a number of years yet. I recall it now explicitly. And, uh, you know, there were a number of aspects at play there. There were unfamiliarities with people, right? Relationships and bosses and, uh, you know, professional relationships, et cetera, and history in respect to how, do companies come to some type of contractual agreement and separation, et cetera? So, you know, it did, it sounds like took bravery for you to stake your claim and say, hey, here's something I really strongly believe in. And I'd like to find another set of ears to listen, because I think if I can write, find the right set of ears to listen, we can actually make positive progress. It worked. And so thank you for all that. I appreciate great, it. Great, great. Well, Bill, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, there were a number of really fantastic lessons that we learned and heard in the call. Uh, you know, a couple of them that I just want to recap for our listeners, you know, isn't so much about how to say what needs to be said or how to do what needs to be done, but how to handle if something happens to you. Oftentimes, bravery might be something you need to do but it also might be something somebody else is doing and now you're in a position to respond and react. So, you know, I love the count to 10 model. And again, it may be awkward to sit there for 10 seconds and not say anything. So probably more appropriate is to say, you know, hey, let's take a couple of minutes. I'd like to think a little bit more about what you shared with me. And, uh, you know, let's reconvene in five minutes or so. You know, I think the other value in that almost subconsciously is it helps you know, it helps you tell the person that you're speaking with, that what they've said has impacted you deeply, right? That this isn't just some kind of passing conversation, but an observation they had or a word they use or a position they've taken really has impacted you. And you need a couple of minutes to think about it 
so that you can handle it really well and be your best self. So I thought that was great advice. And the 444, I think, is another great model to help navigate, uh, you know, these unexpected occurrences. Terrific. Bill, if there are ways that folks could reach out to you to talk a little bit more either about your business or about your book further faster or to talk a little bit about being braver in the workplace, what might be some ways they can get to you? Yeah, so I have a website and there's contact information on there. My website is catalystgrowthadvisors.com. Uh, also, I, my email is bill at catalystgrowthadvisors.com and I'm certainly happy to receive um, email from folks who, who want to reach out. And if I may plug the book, you can get my book on Amazon uh, and and other places. There is an, a Kindle version, a paperback version, and soon there'll be an Audible version. But unfortunately, due to the crisis that we're in with COVID, uh, the narrator is in lives in New York, and he had to stop before he could finish the book. So I don't know when that's coming out now. Unexpected activities, right, that uh, impact the great work that we're doing. So, well, Bill, thanks again for joining us. It was really great speaking with you. Great to speak to you as well. And if I could also just throw in uh, to add on to your observation about your book. So I've read it and I've really uh, enjoyed it. So I hope others find time to purchase it and learn a little bit more about you know, how to grow further, faster, and how to take the guesswork out of growth. I think it provides some great tips on that front. Great. Thank you, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also welcome you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on CastBox, Overcast, Apple, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google, Spotify, Pandora, we are everywhere. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.